Resting Witch Face, your one-stop haunt for all things spooky, bitchy, and things my mom wouldn't approve of. <laughs> I'm Bailey Bennett. <laughs> I'm Grant Jacoby. And before we get started, I have one question for you. Okay. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> oh my God, that was great. Was it? Yeah, it's, I loved it. Was it. still pretty gay. I'm aroused. Um, it's a really special week. It's a really special week. We're going a little... Not not off brand, but we're going a little. We're going a little. We're going the scenic route. Yes. Today. Yes. This week, instead of your normal episode fair, that will be back next week. Um, we are doing a full on deep analysis slash drunken conversation of the Wes Craven Scream series. I am so thrilled. I have my wine in hand. I have my champagne in hand. Okay, yeah, full disclosure, I'm drinking Lambrusco. <laughs> Kids, if you like the taste of sparkling grape juice, but you also want to get fucked, this is this. <laughs> want to get fucked? I've had about three sips of this, and if you can tell from my voice that's already beginning to slur, this is going to be a time. Yeah, this is basically just a case study on alcohol abuse mm-hmm. and sobriety, where mm-hmm. you can just hear me drink an entire bottle by myself and still be coherent and uh-huh. get us here Bailey get wasted off of one glass of wine. Woo! Um, no, we just thought we've been wanting to talk about Scream for a long time. Grant is a, more obsessed with it than maybe any human on this earth. I also really love it. And we thought, what could make this conversation more entertaining? But if we just brought like a good amount of alcohol into the mix. Totally. And I was thinking, we were thinking, we discussed, if you're if you're listening on this to this on your morning commute, don't do this part. But if you're listening to this in the comfort of your own home and you don't have anywhere to be, we're thinking we can add a little drinking game oh aspect God. into this episode. Yes. So, Did you have something in mind? Yeah. Buzzword. Courtney Cox. Every time you hear Shit. Courtney Cox, take a, take a sip. Um, I'm going to just apologize to you guys right now because all I want to talk about in this episode is Courtney Cox because she's a damn revelation in, in this film series. So... Um, just get ready. Get ready. Hold on. I need to take off my shirt. He's I'm like sweating. He's through. wow. Ooh. He's ready to go. Yeah, I'm also wearing a Sea Dog Brewing shirt, so it's really appropriate. We, you are on brand. Um, yeah. Tell tell the listeners what the back of my shirt says. Ooh. Okay. It says beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. Isn't that precious? That's base level pushed by sapphire. Really sweet. Okay. So. No complaints this episode. Well, no, we're not going to have our usual segments in terms of, hey, that's kind right. of the shit out of me, complaints and badass bitches, but folded into yes, this episode I are going to be a lot a of few things to say. Yeah. We're going to complain about some shit. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk about a lot of badass bitches and a lot of things about these movies scare the shit out of me. So absolutely. Um, I'll apologize in advance for any sipping sounds you may hear or stray burps. Um <laughs> Just like some casual (laughs) belches that filter in. Needless to say, Grant will be leading the discussion this week. Uh, I will. He's our resident scream expert. Yeah. So I've probably seen 
So for those of you who don't know, the Scream series uh, ran from... Oh, yeah. Sorry. I just want to say, don't click away if you haven't watched the Scream movies, because we intend to talk about them in a way that's fun for all. Yeah, with lots of spoilers. Yeah, I mean, fine. If you really intend to watch them and, like, you don't want us to spoil it for you, whatever. But I think you're going to like this anyway, so just hang out with us. Totally. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Um, So the Scream series is a series of four slasher films that were released, that were all directed by Wes Craven, um, horror aficionado, may he rest in peace, um, that began in 1996 and ran through 2011, followed by a TV series that is currently still on MTV that we'll talk briefly about. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we don't even need to. Um, So I thought that we would first just kind of gloss over the plot of the first four films, or (laughs) the only four films. and so starting with Scream, that was released in 1996, and the film stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, yes. David Arquette, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore. I would feel more comfortable if we would just refer to Matthew Lillard as Shaggy for the rest of the episode. I would love that. Okay, thanks. So long story short, the film is uh, takes place in the town of, I believe the fictional town of Woodsboro, where a... Um, series of murders starts cropping up um, all involving this kind of circle of teenagers from Woodsboro High and are all conducted by a killer wearing what is known as a ghost face mask. Yes. Um, I'm, even if you haven't seen the Scream series, you definitely know that For classic sure. long white face. Um, and like black cloak. Black cloak. It's actually really fucking silly, but, but terrifying. Yeah, it's really scary. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, so the film centers around um, Nev Campbell's character, Sydney Prescott, who is the final girl. And she's kind of, she's not your typical final girl. She's, you know, a little bit more reserved. She wears a lot of sweaters, mm-hmm. um, kind of got like brown hair pulled back into like a half up, half down do bangs, some but blonde highlights. Don't get us wrong. She's like the baddest. No, sorry. Bitch. I meant she's a total baddest bitch. Yeah. But I think that usually, especially nowadays in in horror films, the final girls tend to be like bleach blonde, mm-hmm. big tits, um, not a lot of character development, kind of just like meant to be kind of the hot one that lives till the end. Totally. Um, spoiler, Sydney lives throughout all four films. Yeah. Um, and she is kind of troubled because a year prior to the starts, start of the events of the, of the film, um, her mother was raped and murdered and that case is still unsolved. And so, uh, no. At the start, Cotton, of th- oh, and is in jail. Shit. Yeah, so <laughs> fuck. Yes. So, um, Cotton Weary, played by um, uh, I can never pronounce his name. Liam Schreiber. Liam Schreiber is um arrested and is currently in prison for her murder. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow, I have one up on Grant. Yeah, shit. Uh, those of you keeping score. <laughs> and um, yeah. So the film follows a circle of friends, played by Nev Campbell and Shaggy and Rose McGowan and Ski Ulrich, and. Um, we also see the local cop played by David Arquette plays Dewey Riley and Courtney Cox plays uh, Gail Weathers, a local um, TV anchor who had also written a book called the Woodsboro murders mm-hmm. about Maureen she, Prescott's or I think that was, no, that was written later, but she wrote a book about the Maureen Prescott who's Sydney Prescott's mom yes. about that case because she believes that Sydney um, fingered the wrong guy. Also I have to say <laughs> that expression, I can Hate never it. take it seriously. Um, so she fingered the wrong guy, mm-hmm. um, should have fingered someone else, but instead right. fingered Cotton Weary, yes. played by Liv Schreiber. Um, you can also drink whenever we say fingered, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, so mass hysteria ensues. A lot of people are killed. And um, starting with Who's Casey, Casey Becker. Who's Casey? Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore, who okay. is the um, iconic first yes. sequence. So, the, so one of the reasons this film is so notable is because, for a number of reasons, well, it's an incredible film, and um, because it really turned the slasher genre on its head. So the slasher films have become really popular in the 80s with films like Friday the 13th and Halloween. And, um, and basically, like every, it seemed like every six months, like a crop of new slashers had erupted and they be, they had become stale. So in the, in the script written by Kevin Williamson, who went on to create such classic TV series, such as the vampire diaries and Dawson's Creek. Hell yes. Um, he wrote the script that really was all about kind of poking fun at scary movies as well as being legitimately terrifying. So they called out all of the tropes oh. in the, in the horror genre that we'll talk about more later. Um, did he also do, I know you did last summer. He did. Okay. So it's a very referential film. So that's why it was kind of like, it talks about scary movies while being a scary movie. And I'll also say like one of the, like when I, I actually didn't see these movies until maybe like two or three years ago for the first time, because I like really wasn't a huge horror person growing up. And I was immediately drawn to this franchise. Um, and I think they, they don't take themselves as seriously as a lot of horror movies do and they do it in a way that's like really fun and a little bit campy but still legitimately terrifying and like with great characters and great cameos and like everything about it is just so enjoyable to Mm -hmm. watch whereas there are so many slasher films out there that are just about like the blood and guts and just about jump scares and all that stuff and and this just completely turns it on its head and is very self-aware and as kind of a film buff I appreciate all of the the references that it makes and all of the uh tropes that it turns upside down 1000 percent yeah um and another reason why this film is so revolutionary is because it was totally marketed where Drew Barrymore was seen as the lead character yeah because she was the most famous actress in um in the cast, although Courtney Cox was on Friends at the time and Nev Campbell was on Party of Five, um, Drew Barrymore was a huge star. Yeah. And so the fact that she her character appears in the opening sequence and then is brutally murdered bef- like in, within the first 15 minutes of the film was crazy and really showed audiences that they that they they didn't know what to expect and that yeah. like anyone could die anytime and it really just like changed the game and I think like not since psycho in the 60s that takes a a page out of alfred hitchcock's book where they did the same thing where it was like that that main character died i mean it wasn't it wasn't in the opening scene like it is in scream but it was within the first 30 minutes or so of the movie and then the first act just really unsettles the audience into being like wait like what is what is going to happen now um but yeah that opening is iconic and i remember the first time i saw it i was shitting myself it's a really really scary really scary yeah and we'll um we'll talk about more about the opening sequences in a little bit but i just kind of want to kind of want to plow through the plots of the first four if that's all right with you just i feel like it's i will say i'm not gonna lie to you i i did see all these films i um re-watched a lot of stuff in preparation for this episode some of it is kind of forgettable a little bit to me i like couldn't remember what the fuck happened in like two and three 
But I think one to me is very iconic and four is very different. But two and three kind of get jumbled together because one is kind of like the play within the play and three. I mean, two is like the play within the play and three is like the movie within the movie or mm-hmm. something. I'll let you go on. Yeah, well, it's it's fine because I've seen the, these four films more than eight times I could count. I own all of them. So I'm here as your resident scream. Okay. Not even expert because I actually don't know a lot of some of the details. I'm going to forget a lot of things. Um so at the end of the first scream, spoiler alert, please pause or skip ahead if you don't want to discuss anything. The killer, or actually killers, um, of this murder spree turns out to be uh, Sydney's boyfriend, Billy. Billy, and Shaggy. Yes. And um, it turns out that uh, Billy's father was having an affair with Sydney's mother, and that that was the first murder that they committed. So it actually was not Leah Schreiber's character, Cotton, who had uh, murdered Maureen, but it was in fact uh, Billy and Stu slash Shaggy, their first crime, and that they got a thirst for murder and decided to carry out these other murders. And their intentionality was to blame it on... Um, the dad. Blame it on, yes, yeah, Cindy's father. Right. Um, and I think it, it gets... Uh, gets we can talk more about how I feel about the so-called motivations behind the murders Perfect. of all of these movies. Perfect, because we're actually, we're going to talk about all the, okay. the different twist endings. So that's how the first film ends with um, Sydney, uh, uh, Gail, and Dewey, and Randy, mm-hmm. played by um, uh, Jamie Kennedy as being the four survivors. And it's pretty fucking rare, I will say, for a film, a horror film of this caliber, that four, there are four survivors. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like one. one. Um so, which moves us right along to Scream 2, which was uh, released less than a year after the first Scream in 1997. Yeah, it was, well, because the first Scream was a huge blockbuster hit. and So, it, was it like the, that, it was a huge hit and then they went right into filming or did they? They knew, they, they knew. Okay. So, apparently Kevin Williamson, while shooting Scream, the first film, um, which actually originally was called Scary Movie. Oh, was really? It Scream, yeah. Um, had an idea for a sequel and it pretty much was already ready to get greenlit. And as soon as the first box office numbers came in, they were like, yep. I think I read that when he pitched the first one, he actually had a rough outline for two and three because he intended to sell it as kind of like a trilogy if if it was going to be picked up that way. Yeah, stay tuned for more of that information later. I mean, this if you were alive in the 90s, which if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you were, (laughs) this was a huge juggernaut of a series. It really kind of took over the horror genre, particularly in, in like the mid to late nineties. So, and I think you can see from the cast lists of these three movies. Oh, that, like, they're insane. It's crazy. How many people just like wanted to be a part of yeah, it Yeah, to do like bit parts, um, especially in the, in the sequels. Yes. So, um, scream two was released in 1997 and it follows Sydney as she goes off to, um, college, um, for some school that I forget the name of cause it's not important. No. Um, and added to the roster of the cast includes, Everyone. Everyone. So Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Jamie Kennedy are all back, plus Jerry O'Connell, Laurie Metcalf, Tim- Timothy Oliphant, Sarah Michelle Geller. Our Lord and Savior. Um, uh, Elise Neal, Jada Pink- Pinkett Smith, and Omar Epps. And Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps are the unlucky folks who are killed in the movie theater at the screening of Stab, which is the movie based on the Woodsboro murders from the first film. So we start, we, in the second film, we already start getting this movie within a movie plot, which is actually yes. one of my favorite things about the series is yeah. it continues the self-referential element. And the whole thing about like, oh, African-American characters are mm. always killed off first or whatever they say in that opening or whatever they Jada do. says. It's very clever. Um, and so the second film, again, follows Sydney as this new crop of murders start occurring at the college where she's at. 
and which leads to the death of, unfortunately, um, Jamie Kennedy's character, um, as well as a, some horrible, brutal hair murder of Courtney Cox with her pink what streaked bob. What the fuck is going on? I, Everyone in that movie has the same bob, and it's the worst bob. Well, hers takes the cake with those streaks. Abs- yes. Um, so, um, hair murder. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was bad. Alcohol is bad. Um, and what was, and what's especially kind of amusing about this, the, the second film is it also involves not only a movie within a movie, but for some reason, there's a major plot point about how Nev Campbell, or Sidney Prescott is starring in a Greek tragic play where the, actually the, um, the final act takes place as she's on the stage as the killers reveal themselves. Yes. And actually I think probably, probably perhaps the best twist I think maybe in the entire series is the fact that one of the killers, so one of the killers is Timothy Oliphant's character who was kind of just like a bit, it was just like crazy and along the side. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember. Uh, Jerry. No, no idea. I just watched um, it yesterday. Have oh, no it's, um, I forget. Unimportant. But that the other killer is Laurie Metcalf's character, Debbie Salt, who actually turns out to be Billy Loomis's mother. Yeah. I From the first film, who's Keith Ulrich's character. Yes. I completely forgot that was Laurie Metcalf. I was more shocked at that than I was by the reveal. But <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good twist. And I would say probably one of the more believable motives, maybe. Oh, 100%. That she like, wants to... I mean, like, I feel like Sydney had a pretty um, good reason to kill Billy, seeing as he had gone on a murder spree in the first film and she was oh, yeah. saving her own life. But, like, sure, if mom wants to take revenge for that situation. Yes. So, yeah, I should have mentioned at the end of the first film, Sydney shoots Billy in the head. Well, first she uh, she kills uh, Shaggy with a TV. Mm-hmm. And then she shoots Billy in the head after he comes back to life for one scare. And she says, not in my movie. That's right. And walks off into the sunset. Yeah. Um, so the, the second film ends with uh, Sydney, Gail, and Dewey all surviving. Unfortunately, Randy did not make the cut. And I'm, I actually, I still, that's still actually one of the deaths that surprises me the most. And mm. I don't know if it's because they wanted to have something shocking. That it happens in broad daylight in the middle of like an open field. It makes it kind of makes n- not a lot of sense. Not a lot. The only thing I can think of is that because they wanted to have this kind of a similar shock value as Drew Barrymore's death, that they wanted to, you. This was a character you really thought was going to live at least until the final act, and yeah. he just bit the bullet well, halfway through the film. For sure, there's not as much shock coming out of the opening of the later films as there was in the first one because you kind of figure they have this formula going where they they get a big star that they're going to kill off in the first yeah. five minutes. All right. Moving right along to Scream 3. Um, so Scream 3, I think, is probably the most controversial of the four because it was once again directed by Wes Craven, as were all four films, but it was not written by Kevin Williamson. Yeah, I think it's probably the worst. So it was written by Aaron Kruger. And so apparently we'll, we'll talk. Actually, no, we're going to talk more about the, this whole debate. Later, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I'm on a very strict schedule. <laughs> um, so the third film, we now it was released in 2000, so three years after Scream 2, and it once again features um, Courtney Cox. Drink <laughs> Courtney Cox with tiny bangs. Tiny bangs, almost as almost worse than Sarah Bob. SMG in season three of Buffy. Oh, um, uh, Nev Campbell's back. David Arquette's back. Um, plus, joining the cast are Parker Posey, Emily Mortimer, Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Jenny McCarthy, 
Leah Schreiber is once again back and Kelly Rutherford. Um, and and, and Karen Fisher, Fisher in a in a lovely little cameo. So the third film is probably the hardest to describe because we now we leave Woodsboro. I think that was actually probably actually I guess I don't know if the second film takes place in Woodsboro, but now we're in Hollywood. Yeah. And they're filming Stab Three. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about the like the trilogy. Um and a crop of murders happen on the set of Stab Three, um, which all seem to be copying the original pattern of the original Woodsboro murders. Although that actually happens in Scream 2 also. Yeah, I'm, I mean... I'm, I, it, you know what? I'm actually now confusing 2 and 3. Well, I think the issue is by the time we get to Scream 3, all of these things are a little bit stale yeah. and, a, and they're kind of running out of things to do. Yes. And so Scream 3 is notable for two reasons. One, um, Nev Campbell is in it the least of all four films. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she was... I don't know if she was still filming Party of Five or there's something in her contract where she was only available for a certain number of days. So she is basically a supporting character in that third film. Interesting. Um, and also there is a definitive tone shift where the first two, the, the first film is, has humorous elements, but the first film is scary and it's really gory. Yeah. Like really fuck. Like I was totally, the first time I saw it, I was shocked about the amount of blood that was in that film. Mm-hmm. The second film equally scary the camp factors up up a little bit because it's referencing the first film, but like still pretty yeah. spooky. The third film, not even a little bit scary. Yeah. Mostly just kind of like slapstick humor, almost mm-hmm. um, barely any blood. And it's just, a, it's a very, very distinct, as I mentioned, tonal shift um, with also with the most complex mythology. Sorry. Do you have something to say? No, it's fine. I feel like you're probably going to get into this, but I also, read that a lot of that had to do with the fact that this was very soon after Columbine and there was a lot more awareness in the media of how much violence they were showing. And there was, that's a really good point. There was like a big desire for them to actually pull back on the gore factor and like up the humor. So apparently there was actually a lot of like societal reasons. That's interesting. For better or worse. Uh, For worse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it, the film has probably the most complicated mythology through line in which involves Sydney's mother having been an actress in like the seventies named Rena Reynolds. And she was gang raped in a basement and gave birth to an illegitimate child played by Scott Foley, who ends up being the killer. Sure. Um, it's pretty flimsy. Yeah. It's, um, I'll talk about more later. Actually, there was a lot of, um, actually in both two and three, there were a lot of, script changes and there's a lot of storylines that don't match up and some really inconsistent narratives that don't mm-hmm. add up to much. And it's actually because of a lot of script changes and rewrites because these leaks were happening. Okay. Um, which then we're going to flash forward 11 years to scream four, which is actually one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> I think partially because this is the only one I was able to see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you must've been like really, I was amped for this. <laughs> Hooping. <laughs> I was so fucking excited because the Scream series probably is, is def- definitely my favorite slasher series because I think it's the most yeah. consistent throughout um, versus other ones I love like Halloween or um, that's actually the only other slasher series I love because which has a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scream 4, we see a return of Courtney Cox, um, David Arquette, Nev Campbell plus Get ready for this cast list. Oh, my God. Emma Roberts, Hayden Panettiere, Marley Shelton, Rory Culkin, 
Anthony Anderson, Adam Brody, Allison Bree, Mary McDonnell, Lucy Hale, Shanae Grimes, or yeah, Kristen Bell, Anna Paquin, Britt Robertson, and Amy Teagarden, who all were either like on like on a television show, and I didn't even read the whole cast list. Yeah, on a television show, had been on television show, like were famous for numerous reasons. Um, Remember when Anna Paquin liked my tweet? I just want to put that in here because that happened. This is not about you, Bailey. I need a refill. I'm getting us a refill. Keep talking. Okay. Now that we're alone, listeners, <laughs> Bailey is going to the fridge. Um, so the the fourth film, sorry, I should have mentioned this. So the, so the first film centers all around the idea of like the tropes of the scary film. Scream 2 is all about the sequel. Scream 3 is all about the trilogy. Scream 4 is all about the remake. Um, so it's all but kind of like the reboot of the franchise. Again, it's been 11 years since the third one came out. It was trying to appeal to new audiences and actually, in fact, was intended to be the first of a new trilogy that never manifested. So in Scream 4, we see Nev Campbell's character, Sydney Prescott, going on a book tour for her book, Out of Darkness, which is the name of my lower back tattoo. Um, and she's returned to Woodsboro um, after a very long time. And uh, Emma Roberts plays her niece, Jill, who is now kind of the new, like kind of like the quote unquote new Sydney, um, whose friends are now targeted by a new slew of uh, ghost face attacks. Um, and I'm just trying to think I'm, it's, it's okay. It's, it is hard to talk about these plots cause I'm not going to go through like, Oh, in this scene, this person gets killed. And like, yeah, I hope this is okay that I'm just like kind of like plowing. No, through I these think plots. you should, I think like an, an overview is totally yeah. fine. And we're, you know, um, and, and we're going to backtrack and talk about some other things. So lo and behold, the, the, the twist at the end is actually in fact that Jill, um, Sydney's niece, Emma Roberts is in fact, one of the killers. Which along is with, honestly my favorite. It's really good. Like, yes, give me a female killer. I will take Fuck that. Yeah. Um, after Laura Metcalf, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that's true. No, but it's different that it's like, it's, it's like, different. It, no, it's, it was it's a, a huge, huge reveal. reveal. Yeah. And, um, and turns out that she's always been jealous of Sydney and the attention Sydney got from being this survivor. And she was like, it's my turn to be the survivor. And actually this whole like really fucking drawn out insane mm-hmm. scene. You're nodding. You don't remember what I'm talking about. I remember what you're talking about. Oh, where she like inflicts all those wounds on herself. Yes. It's insane. I kept, well, I know, like, in the theater, I was like, is this going to end? Yeah. Well, cause like it's kind of, that kind of happens in the first one. Cause the, the cause those two boys are fucking idiots and they decide they're going to, inflict wounds on themselves before they've finished killing their victims, which like really, um, that was maybe their downfall. Um, but no, it's, it's really, it's weird and, and fucked up, but in like, I think in a kind of in a great way when Emma Roberts does it. I agree. Um, and luckily, um, Jill gets caught she makes a mistake of mentioning to Dewey that she and Gail now have matching shoulder wounds, which only she would know if yeah. she had inflicted the shoulder wound on Gail early in the film. And um, Sydney ends up killing her cousin with like not a blink of an eye with one of those um like clear machines. What it's called. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and it's actually the only film that ends on not a cliffhanger, but like the last shot is of just like Jill's dead body. Interesting. Which is interesting because they they said that this was supposed to be like opening up for mm-hmm. a um, new trilogy. And I think most people thought like, oh, like Emma, they're going to pass a torch. Emma Roberts is going to be the new Sydney, but apparently not. Um, and we never saw five or six because Wes Craven passed away. 
And also, didn't the fourth one really not do well? It did not do well. I actually think that was also partially um okay so long story short <laughs> now let's talk into the nitty-gritty like 45 minutes later um let's talk about the opening sequences okay and i want to let's just like because those are actually think are probably most like iconic part of the scream canon are these opening kills so i have my definitive ranks of the four but i know you recently rewatched them so i want to know your thoughts first also because i've been domineering this conversation no it's that's totally fine um Okay, I guess if I had to, if I had to say, I think the for the first one is the best one, hands down. Like hands down, it's it's terrifying. I I mean I I feel Drew Barrymore's fear so chillingly, like so it's so deep and strong in in that first one. Um, I think after that, I probably enjoy the fourth one. I think it's 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 funny and it's making a lot of fun of itself and it has some of my favorite cameos in it, obviously. So just to explain, so in, in the fourth film, mm-hmm. it's like three false begin or it's three opening sequences that keep like yeah, like it's like a false like trick. it's like a movie within a movie within yes. a movie. So then it ends up being like stab five and stab six. So yeah. it's um the first one is Lucy Hale and Sinead Grimes. It's yeah. kind of a standard, just like the kill the colors they're knocking on the door. Yeah. The second one is Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, which is really what I'm here for. Yeah, which ends up with Kristen Bell stabbing Clearly. Anna Paquin in the stomach, saying, yeah. "Why don't you just watch the fucking movie?" And yeah. then the third one is Britt Robertson, Amy Tiergarten, kind of a standard right. home invasion moment. Um, and then. And then probably two and then three. Because like two two has Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Apps, right? Mm-hmm. Um going to see Stab in, in the, the theaters. theaters yeah. And um Jada is is great in that. And I think that is a pretty surprising twist when that happens. And it's pretty hard to watch because they're all in this movie theater, like all wearing the ghost face mask and the costume, and they're all like play stabbing each other while she's actually being murdered just like in plain sight it gives me i i'm i have like i have chills right now mm-hmm. i think it's one of the it's actually i think probably one of the most disturbing scenes in all four films yeah and it's played off as kind of humorous because it's not humorous but like a little more lighthearted. but like the concept of being br- yeah brutally murdered in front of people and no one is doing anything yeah and one thing about I will say about the screen movies is they don't hold back for like how long it takes mm-hmm. to kill someone. No. So it's not like we see Jada Pinkett Smith get stabbed. We can see her get stabbed probably about eight times yes. before she dies. And yes. it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Plus Omar Epps getting stabbed in the face through a bathroom yeah, through stall. The, although <laughs> very realistic. Well, okay. The issue is that um I, not the issue. So for those of you that have seen the, the parody of these films, Scary Movie, is that in the in Scary Movie, th- that kind of version of that character um, puts his ear up to a glory hole mm-hmm. and gets like a dick that's... Yeah. Gets, so I, I can't take that moment seriously of when yeah. he gets stabbed through. Although, I don't know if you noticed, baby, you're watching it. When he when he puts his ear up to the wall, um, the person on the other side is like whispering something. Yeah. What he's whispering is from Black Christmas. Oh my god! We, you and I watched together the other day. We talked about a couple weeks oh, ago. He's notice. saying like, "Don't, don't you tell them what we did, Billy." Oh my god! All right, Agnes. That's so good. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and then I think the the opening of the third oh, one the th- is, is probably the weakest. So just because, bad. I mean, there's just like no shock factor to it at all. It's like, 
oh yeah, he's gonna come kill that woman because we he just called Liev Schreiber yeah. and and like Cotton Weir is one of those characters that no one cared about. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a waste of Liev Schreiber mm-hmm. and. Kelly Rutherford is Christine, like his girlfriend. It's like, cool. Like, I guess Whatever. it's like she dies because yeah. like, well, it was also like they like the whole point of it was that they get a cameo of like a big star for the opening and they kill them off right away. And that's just not what happened. Exactly. In the third one. Yeah. I would, I would have to agree. I would go one, two, four, three. Yeah. Only I mean, because yeah, I think so. The, yeah. The opening scene with um, Drew Barrymore is so fucking scary. Also hilarious, hilariously parried, parodied. Woo. Feel that champagne. Um, hilariously parodied with, um, and scare me with Carmen Electra. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, when she's making the popcorn, he's like, wait, what's that sound? She's like, oops, I just farted. She's <laughs> like, no, that is something like, Oh, popcorn. Um, Andrew Barrymore is excellent in that opening scene. And that I just, uh, when she gets stabbed yeah. in the neck. Yeah. Well, first of all, getting stabbed in the neck, I literally am like, oh, and then as she's like crawling to her parents that are into the house. That's the worst. That's the worst thing. It's like her parents are right fucking there. And she can't scream because she just got stabbed in the neck. Yeah. Although she was holding a phone, which she could have just like thrown and it would have made a noise and they would have seen her, which was what I was thinking the last time I watched it. Yeah. I mean, she was kind of a dumb bitch. Like there was, there were also a lot of times I was like, Drew, stop fucking crying. Yeah. But, but what I also will say (laughs) What I also will say about two is that I almost also feel like um, I know our queen SMG wasn't like as huge of a star at the time, but that was like during the first season of Buffy. So I, I do kind of feel like her death also kind of serves the purpose of that like shocking celebrity being killed off early. In Scream 2? Yeah. So I actually, th- what I'm pretty sure, I couldn't find, I couldn't corroborate this. Also, a lot of this information came from IMDb. Um, <laughs> is that, so Sarah Marshall Geller had already been in, yeah. I know you did last summer with Kevin Williamson. Oh, okay. So I'm pretty sure when they started filming Scream 2, she'd already done Buffy. Mm-hmm. And like, they knew that like, she was already known. Mm-hmm. And I think that her doing that film, she just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think she took what she could do, which was, a bit part and which was to be killed off really randomly. I mean, yeah, with no consequence. One of my, one of my complaints about the series is like how Sarah Michelle Gellar is given like no respect. Like she has one of the easiest, quickest <laughs> fucking deaths in this entire franchise. And it was just like, she literally just like opens the front door, walks away and the killer comes inside. I was mm-hmm. like, why, why did you do that, honey? Like she, she would never do that. Buffy would never do that. What I love about that scene so much, though, again, to bring it to Scary Movie, is when it's parodied. Because, you know, when she's, like, running up the stairs and she throws, like, the bike at him. Yes. But in Scary Movie, it's like, the piano comes on the stairs. She's like, Grandma! <laughs> um, no, actually, that scene that scene terrifies me simply for the fact when she gets that phone call and she picks up that weird, like, weird, like, mechanical, like, jink, janky-ass fucking phone. Yeah. And she's just like, I don't know, I had to pick up my cell phone to do this. Like, hello? And then the killer comes out of the closet oh right God. behind her. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. And I think that the, f- yeah, I think the third, the opening of the third one is trash. I think that the fourth opening, the opening of the fourth film is, is good. And actually in theaters, it was like hilarious. Cause it was like, Oh my God, like there's yeah. another one. There's another one. But looking back on it, they're all pretty basic. They also like, and it was kind of like, let's drop the hottest stars of right now. Yeah. But like, 
Were those the two girls that it lands on? Were those actually like the hottest stars of right now? Well, they both she was were on Friday Night, Friday Night Lights, and the other one was on Life Unexpected, which was canceled on the CW no one, after two seasons. That. I mean, Sherry Appleby was in it. Okay, we're about to move on, but I will. Oh, a fun fact: apparently, the Anna Paquin Kristen Bell scene was supposed to be. Um, it was originally written for Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> like, could you imagine? <gasps> I mean, I'm very happy it was Kristen Bell and Anna Me with my too. BFFs. Okay, I want to talk to you about the killer reveals and the twist endings. Like, okay. how do you feel about how it plays out? You want me to answer right now? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm the I, moderator. I struggle with <laughs> the motivations, kind of in all of the movies, but I also wonder if that's kind of the point. That it, I mean, it's a film that's. Not parody, not parodying, but commenting on horror tropes and other horror movies. And I think it's a pretty common thing that when the killer is actually revealed, it's like, oh, well, that's like a really weak motivation to do all of this shit. Like they kind of just want to get it over with really quickly. And they're like, I was jealous. I was I was angry. I wanted to have all the fame. And it's like no one actually kills people for those reasons. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about most of the endings of this franchise but i also think again it's self-referential so maybe there was a reason that they were doing that especially like the billy's motivation with losing his mom or lose uh, his dad his dad has an affair with his dad has his affair with, with Sydney's, Sydney's mom, mom and so and they get divorced they get divorced and he equates like he's like yeah like when my mom left She's like, well, you fucking murdered my mom. So I think I feel like it's just like Billy has a real motive and his mom has a real motive. But then their sidekicks are just like, oh, they're just crazy. Well, fun fact. So apparently when Kevin Williamson was writing the first film, he was torn between two different endings. One, the desire to give the killer an explanation like Mm -hmm. that, that like you because you want to know you want to know why someone does something horrible. Yeah. But then also how there's something super crazy and yeah. sinister about someone having no motivation. Which happens. Hence why the two killers in the first film, Billy has all the motivation. Shaggy was just along for the ride. Right. He wanted the thrill of it. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I think that is the reality a lot of the time is that you want more answers than you're given. I just don't know that they necessarily played out that way, but I can get on board. How do you feel about them? I feel good about actually most of the killer reveals. I think that the first one, it's hard. It's hard because the first one, I feel like you just see coming from a mile away, even though the fact that they, they like, he's the red, like you think he's the red herring. I thought it, I think they do a good job of being like making you think it's Billy in the beginning, then subverting that by kind of exonerating him and then bringing him back in. Like that's pretty good. And I think it works well for like the first film and the second one. Yeah. I think the Laurie Metcalf reveal I thought was brilliant mm-hmm. because she's a character. Debbie Salt was a character that appears throughout the film, but never interacts with Sydney. Mm-hmm. So you know that she's a minor character. So when she emerges and Sydney's like Mrs. Loomis, yeah, it's like, Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Really, really smart. And I think ties the first two together really well. I think the third film the twist is really again stupid. It equates to the, the first film. The third film is just not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't 
match with the first two or with the fourth. I think it falls in this kind of weird, it's on its own Island and it becomes like really twisted and not in a good way. Just this like weird mythology, um, entertaining nonetheless. And then the fourth, I think the, I think that was really smart. Mm -hmm. I think that they did like it. They play up your expectations that there's no way it could be Jill because Jill is a stand in for Sydney. Right. And then it turned so, um, I, I really liked most of the endings. Cool. What are your, this, this is kind of a sick and twisted question, but like, what are your favorite kill scenes? Okay. And I actually, I want to, this is a question I've been meaning to ask you throughout the course of this podcast. Yeah. What is your, do you have like a preference in terms of murder? (laughs) Cause I do. And I feel weird about it, but I'm going to voice it. In what context? In films or in life? Because I don't really like any murders. Well, I don't want life. I don't want anyone to get killed. I'm just thinking like, I don't really like poison. Like if someone gets poisoned, yeah. I'm like, uh, like I think that sucks. Sh- yeah. Shootings are pretty like boring, boring. in films. Um, yeah. Stranglings. Yeah. I, I mean, stabbings are pretty good. See, and I feel weird. There's something for like satisfying a, about it. I, yeah. I'm drunk. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, this is good. I feel, I feel vindicated a little bit. And actually, no, this, this equates to actually how I feel about like true crime. Like when I read about someone who's like, like a serial, like a serial poisoner, I'm like, mm-hmm. like bleh, boring. Or, or even like, like, a, like a mass shooter. I'm like, well, you're a fucking asshole. Totally. Kudos to you. Yeah. You can go fucking rotten hell. There's passion in a stabbing. Well, well anything that's like up close mm-hmm. and like. Well, there's a reason that like this whole franchise is basically based around a killer with a knife. Really small knife too. Really small one. Yeah. Um, um, what are my know. favorite kills? Okay, let me. I, I have a couple faves. But I, I want to let you talk. I like Drew Barrymore's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rose McGowan's is pretty mm-hmm. unique. Pretty good. Like pretty fucking horrible. So that death actually got a lot of like like backlash mm-hmm. only because people were like, um, for those of you that need context, Rose McGowan's character in the first film dies while she's trying to escape through a doggy door of a garage door. Mm-hmm. And while she's halfway through the garage, the killer sends the garage door up, which ends up getting, it's really confusing how it's filmed where either she just gets like crushed or her neck gets snapped and electrocuted. I think and, it's a combo. Yeah. Whereas people were like, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, because the garage no... door like, would automatically stop. Yeah, and like yeah. couldn't hold her weight. Totally. So, which is why in the fourth film, when that character yeah. is trying to escape, the garage door comes down on her and goes and back, goes up. back up. I, I was, I just watched that and I thought that was probably um, a comment on that. It was. So, um, you're so smart. <laughs> uh, also, it's not technically a kill, but I do love the scene with Courtney Cox. Cheers. Um, and... David Arquette in the like audio visual room or wherever they oh, are, where she can yes. see him through the glass. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Do we get stabbed a lot? Yeah. What about you? Drew Barrymore's death is really up there. I, I love Rose McGowan's death because it's iconic. Mm-hmm. Although also apparently she was actually thin enough to fit through yeah, that doggy like, door. That girl could definitely fit. So they had to like nail her costume down. So she mm-hmm. had to like struggle. Oh my God. Um, I, this is actually a really random one, but I really love Olivia's death in Scream 4. Okay. Which is when, so Jill played by Emma Roberts and Kirby, stupid name, played mm-hmm. by Hannah Panettiere, are in their room or her uh, Jill's room. And they get a call from the killer and he says, like, I'm hiding in the closet. 
and they're like and so they're like freaking out and they like mm. open the closet and it's like I call your bluff and they also were on the phone with their friend Olivia who lived across Who's the street watching from the and other she window said, I never said I was in your closet oh my god and it's like probably one of the most like graphic brutal yeah. murders and like like they call Sydney like Sydney's in the house and she like runs over and like finds this girl like eviscerated like the blood is splattered over the walls, but there's something about like this, like that, like, like it didn't say it was your closet. That's there's like terrifying. Oh, and like that, like they were right there and mm-hmm. love that one. Um, nothing from three is that no. standout-ish. And two, I mean, Randy's is although interesting, it, but it bothers me because you see him get stabbed in that, like uh, the side mirror, mm-hmm. but the amount of the amount of blood on the knife never changes. Oh. You see it go like in, like up and yeah. down and like, whatever yeah um yeah should we talk about the carrie fisher cameo hell yeah i i mean i can't describe how much i love carrie fisher so i forgot she rest in power um, always i forgot she was in this and i went i actually watched the scene today um and yeah it's fucking hilarious because they're just like are you and she's like no i get that (laughs) all the time like i almost i almost got princess leia but like just went to the girl who slept with George Lucas. And it's I was like, so yes. Good. It's fish. so good. It's so good. And it's actually like a nice moment. Um, yeah, she can make fun of herself and so can these movies. So I feel like we should, before we carry on to some of our last segments of this episode, let's briefly touch on the television series. Okay. Which... I think I watched some of it. I watched the entire, I've watched the first two seasons. Okay. So it's, they've had two seasons and a Halloween special, and then they are doing a reboot for the third season, which is apparently coming out this year. It has nothing to do with the films. Right. Nothing to do with the Woodsboro murders. It doesn't even reference the Woodsboro murders or Courtney Cox drink or, or Ghostface. And said it's an entirely new mythology with Brandon James and this new town, these new people. So it's why even call it to, screen? I don't know to get people to watch, which yeah. apparently isn't doing much because I don't think it's doing that well. No. Also, I have I have to ask: Is Scream Queens in any way related to Scream? No. Okay. So Scream Queens. I mean, it's like clearly it's a descendant of it in some way. Well, Scream Queens are kind of considered like the final girl, and like I think mm-hmm. the classic Scream Queens you have. Um, Nev Campbell, Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar from The Grudge, mm-hmm. and uh, I know you did last summer, and a plethora of number of actresses, mm-hmm. um, Daniel Harris. Like there are the number of people who like have been in like new like the Scream Queens usually refers to people who've been in multiple horror films. Okay. Okay. So within the f- the four films, there are different rules that are proposed. Again, the first being the to survive a horror film, the second being to survive the sequel, third trilogy, fourth remake. I figured we just go through them and say. Which ones we would survive? Okay, before you say this. Yes. This is actually related to kind of the thing that I wanted to complain about a little oh, bit. Or the, the one the one like major problem that I kind of have with the franchise in general is that I think it doesn't give its audience enough credit. I think that it it over explains a lot of things that mm. I think a horror fan would get. And I think like Again, the the film does a, the films do a great job of being really self-referential and calling out a lot of things that normal horror movies do. But I think it's to the point where they don't allow you to figure much of it out for yourself. And I think the fans of this franchise probably get it more than they think. Like I remember, I was just rewatching the first one, and when Sydney goes to 
have sex with Billy for the first time, I was like, oh, that's interesting because like she should be a virgin by like, you know, mm. normal horror movie rules. And then they go on to explain that like to death. Yeah. And it's like the reason that Randy's character even exists is to kind of explain these things as they happen. And I didn't feel like I needed it nearly as much as they give it to me. And like, we probably know more about horror movies than the average viewer, but I do think like they could probably give the audience a little bit more credit and a little more chance to figure these things out on their own. I could fuck with that. Yeah. Okay, but I mean that being said, well, for all you dum dums who don't have never seen a horror movie before, (laughs) here are the rules. So, from the first scream, you will not survive the movie if you have sex. I'll be dead. Yeah, I'm very dead. You won't survive if you drink or do drugs. Obviously, we're dead. Yep. Cheers. Okay, hold on. Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox. (laughs) Um, you will not survive the movie if you say, uh, I will be right back, hello, or who's there, calling out to a strange noise. Right. Um, do you do that? Do you, would you say... If there was a strange noise in my house, there's no fucking way I would say who's there. I've definitely done it. Wh- why? I think it's just, like, instinct. Like not, like, not, like, in my apartment, but, like, if I'm, like, home, like... No. If, if I'm staying at my parents' house and, like, I'm home alone and I hear a strange noise, if, and if it, in theory, could be, like, my sister coming to, like, I don't know, do something in the house or, like, my parents coming home early from their no. dinner date at their local haunt. Um, <laughs> just, just no. My No, my absolute first instinct if I hear a noise in the house and I'm by myself is to be as quiet as I possibly can and see how much more I can hear before I let it be known that I'm also there. So I will survive. I would survive that one only. <laughs> cool. I'm also now realizing that the, the rules for the second film actually don't have anything to do with survival. They just say that the body count is always bigger. Mm-hmm. The death scenes are always much more elaborate with more blood and gore, which is actually not true because actually the, the most gore goes to the first film, yeah. then the second, then the third. Okay. And actually the fourth, all of the blood in the fourth is um, CGI. As, oh, are the, really? as are the knives, mm-hmm. which I actually think is a detriment to the fourth film. Cause I think what's something that's really great about, especially the first scream is how it, they use a lot of practical effects, which makes visceral. it feel that much more yeah. realistic and visceral and like, bleh. totally. Um, and apparently the third rule of this surviving the sequel is, um, to never ever assume that the killer is dead, which just refers back to the, the yeah, they really, they, they beat that dead horse. I have to say, um, the third film, the rules are that you got to, you, you've got a killer who's going to be superhuman. Stabbing him won't work. Shooting him won't work. Um, oh, that's one of the fucking stupidest plot points of the third movie is they're all just wearing bulletproof vests yeah. all the time. Oh, like, let me just, like, casually pick up my bulletproof vest, like, out of the back of my car. Like, that's... Goodbye. The la- that is the laziest writing. Goodbye. Um, anyone, including the main character, character, can die. That's another thing. But she doesn't. She never dies. None of Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, none of them ever die. So you're not actually saying what you said, Mm -hmm. doing what you said. And apparently the the third rule of the third film is the past will come back to bite you in the ass. Uh, I mean, that's implying that like her mother's actions have anything to do with her. Like it's mm -hmm. not coming back to. No. Okay. And I will say the rules for the fourth film are my favorite besides the, f- the first, which mm-hmm. is um, the death scenes always have to be way more extreme, mm-hmm. which they are. Unexpected is the new cliche, which I think is very true in, yeah. in modern yep. writing. Virgins can die now. Uh-huh. Uh, 
everything the 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 latest technology is always involved and integral to the plot although actually but actually this is one of the most underdeveloped plots of the or points of the fourth film is that they keep saying like the killer's gonna be filming the murders which they do but it Mm -hmm. never amounts to anything no the only time i think it kind of works is actually in the opening the first part of the opening where shanae grimes is getting texts from the killer where it's like they're at the door and he's like i dare you to open the door yeah i think that's kind of scary that is scary, but I but like the whole thing with like when Courtney Cox is going around the the barn and like finds the cameras yeah. and turns them around, it's like, well, that doesn't actually like amount to any. Like, it doesn't no. actually f- infuse the plot. It's just right. something that's like we're in the like 2010s now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't fuck with the original. I mean, classic. And um, if you want to survive a modern day horror movie, you pretty much have to be gay. What? Which is which is when that one guy, oh, I forget his name, when he died, when he gets killed, he's like, they address this as one of the rules. And he's like, I'm gay. If that helps. <laughs> and then they kill him anyways. Wait, is that is that real though? Like, what's a horror movie that saves the gay character? I think they're just saying that like, like the whole, like, I think it's more like the virginal thing is out. So if you're gay, maybe, okay. I don't know. All right. It's probably just for, to land a joke. Okay, cool. Okay. So to wrap things up, I wanted to just kind of like spout out some scream trivia. I love that. I trivia. think are fun. I love trivia. I love trivia. I just um, this is this is fun. We're 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 kind of drunk now, so I hope you're with us. So let's get into it. Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell did not meet Roger Jackson, the actor who played the voice of the killer on the phone before shooting commenced. Whenever they're talking to the phone on the phone to the killer, they're actually talking to him in real life. Oh wow! So they never knew who he was, and actually, That's they, creepy. they were in fact like kind of scared of him. However, Sarah Michelle Geller, who also had to film scenes with him, would converse amicably with him on the tel- on the telephone in between takes. I fucking love her, like queen. I like. I don't. Need, I, I'm speechless about my love for her. Gone. She is. She is it. Um, Nev Campbell has stated that she can't watch the films because she doesn't like being scared. Really? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. She's, I mean, she's obviously going to be the baddest bitch of this week because she is, she and Courtney Cox are the, the pinnacles of the series. They make it through all four films and especially Nev Campbell. Like, I was, I was just thinking when I was watching the first one again, after seeing the opening with Drew Barrymore, and then there's a scene pretty quickly after where Nev Campbell's character has to also deal with the killer in her house. Mm-hmm. And the contrast between how those two characters deal with that situation, I was like, this is... This, this is, is a it. badass. Like yep. she, there's there's a reason she survives and she deserves to survive because, and and it's like so refreshing that they let her have that. They mm-hmm. give her so much to do. They they let her survive in the best way and they let her take control. And I love that. That's actually one of my favorite. I'm happy you brought that up because I actually think that's probably maybe my favorite scene in the whole series mm-hmm. is when she gets that first mm-hmm. attack from the killer and she's like picking her nose and she's like, "What am I doing? Yeah, you can't see me." Like, yep. And yeah, when she calls his bluff, he's mm-hmm. like, I'm outside. And she's like, okay, I'll come outside and check. I'm like, wow, I would never, but you are amazing. And she says like in horror movies, it's some blonde bimbo that's running up the stairs as opposed to like running out the front door. And she tries her out the front door and it's locked and yeah. she can't. So she has to run up those stairs, yeah. but she still like eludes the killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the use of caller ID increased more than threefold after the release of the first film. Oh, wow. Fun fact. Um, a lot of Stu slash Shaggy's lines were ad-libbed by Matthew Lillard, including, I've always had a thing for you, Sid. 
which then elicited Sydney's response in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, he also uh, improvised, ah, Houston, we have a problem when he discovered the gun was gone. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad are going to be so mad <laughs> That's at a good me. One. That's a really good one. Also improvised. Um, apparently, during production, Ghostface's signature black robe was going to be white to make him appear more like a ghost. But this was changed in fear of comparing the costume to those of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. Um, Drew Barrymore was originally cast as Sydney Sydney Prescott. Oh. Um, but she, after reading the script further, insisted that she play Casey instead because she thinks that it would make the audience feel that anything could happen. Yes, Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, Courtney Cox was approached by the production, or she approached the production herself to pursue the role of Gail Weathers because she was interested in playing a bitch character to offset her nice friend's image. Um, I love that which is great. Um, and actually the producers didn't think that she could do it until she auditioned. They were like, oops, yep. You can be a biatch. Absolutely. Wait, can we like real quick talk about Courtney Cox and David Arquette? Oh shit. Yeah. I meant to talk about that earlier. So, so they get together. They, they actually got together after the filming of the first one. So it's actually like kind of beautifully tragic how it plays out. Mm-hmm. So they met on the first film. Mm-hmm. They were dating during the second film. Mm-hmm. They were married by the third film. And they were separated in the process of getting divorced during the filming of the fourth. Oh no! Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. And the thing is, you can see it. Mm. Yeah, you can see in their like, in their like kissing scene in the second one, they were like into it. Mm-hmm. And by the fourth, you can tell like they don't mm-hmm. want to be pretending That's to be sad. married. Yeah. That's <sighs> tragic. Anyway. Well, moving right along. Um, Apparently, Wes Craven originally... T- this is, I actually think this is really interesting. So, Wes Craven originally turned down filming Scream because he thought it was too violent and he was tired of the constant misogyny found in horror films. Oh. But the, but there is... I don't think there is a lot of misogyny in this one. No. But, but apparently, he reconsidered because he... Um, he was like, all right, I'll do one more because all of my fan, like my fans of like my early films like want me to do another film like this. But I think it's really interesting because this is coming from someone who did... Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. which features one of the most brutal, like, rape mm-hmm. murder scenes, mm-hmm. and films like The Hills of Eyes, which yeah. also f- features, like, sexual assault. And, like, it's like, like are you calling your own shit out? Yeah. Yes. Like, 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 this seems like the most tame out of everything he's done. One, well, his, yeah, I mean, his early films are really, really fucking disturbing. Yeah. I, Last House on the Left is, I know is considered kind of, like, along with Ice... Um, I spit on your grave as being kind of like one of those like mm. feminist more so I spit on your grave being like kind of like the feminist like rape revenge yeah. sort of films but ha- have you seen Last House on the Left? I haven't and you're not really convincing me to see it. I, I wouldn't recommend it. It's one of the few films actually probably the only film like midway through I literally was like I, I need to turn it off and like I want to take a shower. I felt yeah. so grossed out. So I mean I finished cool. it because I'm yeah. a champ. Mm-hmm. Um apparently when they were filming the opening scene, somebody forgot to unplug the phone that Drew Barrymore was used to calling the cops, which resulted in a really, a true real puzzled 911 operator receiving a phone call from screaming (laughs) Drew Barrymore pleading for her life. That's so good. Oh my gosh. And actually apparently what was keeping her going during those, those scenes, what made her like so realistically like screaming, crying is actually Wes Craven was on the other line of the phone telling her real life stories of animal cruelty. And oh, yeah, um, Drew that. Barrymore is an like, active course. animal activist. And um, that's horrifying. so interesting because 
of her now starring role on the Santa Clarita Diet, where she just I have not seen it. I know I have not seen the new season. (gasps) Is it good? Oh, you haven't seen the new season? No, I mean, oh, okay. Bitch, when you told me to watch that season, like that show, like when it first came out, I watched the first season in like two days. Yeah, do you know me? Um, I only watched the first episode of the new season, I think. So cool. I can't I can't say, but that is a graphic show. Yes, very, very graphic. From, from the moment she puked for upwards of I two minutes. Can't talk about that. Okay. See? Um, apparently David Arquette, who played Dewey, was supposed to die in the first film, which is actually why when you can actually see when um, Courtney Cox's character gets knocked out and like mm-hmm. is like lying on him, he's not moving. Mm-hmm. And they actually, after they showed the film with him dying, it was not received well. So actually they went and re-back shot that, that one shot of him just getting put into the stretcher into yeah. the ambulance. And then he survived every subsequent, yeah, subsequent literally. film, even though he was basically murdered in every film. Mm-hmm. Um, for the sequel, various titles were in, uh, considered, including Scream Again, Scream Louder, Mm-mm. and Scream colon the sequel. I mean, okay. Thank God they would just went for like yeah, Scream Two. I wonder if Scream Four would have done better had they not called it Scream Four. If they had just like because I think it was enough years later that if they had if people had thought it was more of a standalone movie than a sequel, maybe they would have gone to see it more than they did. Like if they had, I mean, could they have just called it Scream again? Like it's a reboot, basically. That's what I just said. That was one of the options. Scream again. No, I'm I'm saying if they had just called it Scream, the the fourth one. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> you, you're I was, gone. I was focused on my notes. No, I'm um, sorry. No. Oh, the fourth one. They just called it Scream. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because I think maybe part of the reason that people didn't go to see it is they were like, too, like what is this movie? Yeah, because the teenagers who would have been the audience for that were too young to have seen Scream, probably. And they were like, oh, I, I missed the first three, so no. You never know. I was a teenager, and I was like, yes. Was it a teenager? 2011? No, I was 20. Um, Matthew Lillard, who plays uh, Shaggy in Scream, um, actually makes a cameo in Scream 2. He can be seen in the background of a party scene at one of the sorority, the sorority scene, like hugging someone in the background. Oh, really? Fun fact. I feel like we should we explain the fact that Matthew Lillard plays Shaggy in the... the Live action Scooby Doo, also starring Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. If there are not already on board with us on that by yeah, now, I mean, then I like you, you can like unsubscribe. That. Just kidding, please stay with us. <laughs> Sorry, let, let, we love you. <laughs> that was just so much vocal fry in one, one uh, moment. So this I think is actually really interesting. So so actually, so the script for the the second film was actually leaked on the internet, so, which required a lot of changes because obviously they didn't want people to expect what was becoming in the film. And actually, in the original version, um, the killers were Derek, played by Jerry O'Connell, Hallie, and Debbie Salt, and it's Hallie, her friend. Oh, okay. Like the one that's like re- like really 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 forgettable. Mm-hmm. And but then actually, Cotton shows up and murders Gale. Oh. And then he and Sydney battle to the death and they both die. Oh wow. Yeah. So how it, are they like, gonna kill them all how are they gonna kill off Sydney in the second one? Apparently Kevin Williamson wanted to end after the second film. Oh wow. But luckily that did not happen. That's interesting. I was gonna ask like 
did they ever have plans to kill off like the main three characters? Because I think it is pretty surprising that they all survived the entire time. There were a lot of rumors right before the fourth film was released because mm-hmm. we only they only released the cast list, but we didn't know who was playing who. And there were rumors that the opening sequence of the fourth film would be Sydney, Dewey, and Gail all being murdered by Ghostface. That would have been good. I know. I like that. It wouldn't have been like really smart, especially yes. in like the remake. Fuck. Sometimes the internet knows better than the actual screen Um, As promised, I'm going to speak to the Aaron Kruger involvement in the third and actually fourth films, which was that Kevin Williamson was unable to return to his writing duties for the third film, whatever that means. But he did write an outline for the film. Aaron Kruger was brought in to fill in the gaps, but basically ignore the outline. And a lot of the script was written on the fly. And actually a lot of the pages were distributed to the cast the day that they were filming. Perfect. Which um, which is why in the third film, a lot of the characters bear so little resemblance to the like how the characters were mm-hmm. perceived in the earlier films. Right. Um, and actually, it apparently a lot of the rewrites within that film, Wes Craven just like did himself because he was like. Stupid. So that's why the third film was a mess. Um, Who wrote the fourth one? Kevin Williamson. However, they brought in Aaron Kruger to do rewrites. Why? Would I I do not know. Like where they were like, oh, this guy wrote the worst film of the series. Let's yeah. bring him back. Okay. This is a little on brand moment. Um, David Boreanaz was considered for the role of Mark Kincaid, which played ended up getting played by Patrick Dempsey in the third film. Oh my god. So... <laughs> in the third film, um, Emily Mortimer's character Angelina was originally supposed to be one of the killers, revealed in the end. However, due to all the script changes then I'm not shooting that part portion, which is why her character acts so bizarrely throughout the whole film. Oh really? And it's just like totally like an unmotivated. That's so weird. Isn't that fucking weird? Yeah. I had a lot of other facts, but um, I actually already mentioned them. I mean, we, we did a lot. We did a lot. We drank a lot. We drank a lot. Oh, the last thing I'll say is that um, the fate of Curry played by Hayden Panettiere, is potentially left... Okay, so IMDb says that her fate is left unconfirmed. Mm -hmm. However, definitely in the film, as it was released, they do say, like, she didn't make it. Yeah. But I remember watching it, and, like, like in her death scene, like, you you never see her die. You see her, like, being stabbed and, like, left for dead. And I always wondered, like, oh, is that the character they're going to pursue for Screams 5 and 6? Because actually, I think she was actually one of the most well-rounded characters in Mm -hmm. all the series. And, like, I mean, I just love Hayden Panettiere. I think she's she's an excellent actress. Yeah. Um, That's really, yeah, that's interesting. It's too bad that they didn't get to make those. But I know. I feel like they replaced that with the Scream series. And and all I wish is that they could have, I feel like it was a missed opportunity to continue the legacy in a new format. Mm -hmm. And even it could just been like, oh, I mean, it, could, it still could have gone into the new, like, pathways of a new killer, but mm-hmm. to not even reference the original films. Right. Because, especially because the films are so referential, to not be like, oh, how would this function as a TV series? Which I don't right. think they do. No. It's frustrating. Yeah. Well, at least we still have these four films to keep us warm at night for the rest of time. We do. I All I want to do right now is go home and watch all four in succession, which I definitely have done mm-hmm. whilst hungover. Mm-hmm. Which, um, like, maybe we will be tomorrow because Because Bailey's had in one anymore. and a half glasses of Limbrusco. Yep. Um, I uh, I feel like this was 
a slightly rambling episode and obviously very different from our normal format, but I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you have anything else to add to this conversation about Scream, we obviously would love to hear it. It's something we are passionate about. Yeah. It's in a weird way. Like, I feel like we've rambled, but I feel like we've also just like, just barely scratched the surface. Oh my God. There's so much more we could talk about. Like there's so many more hairstyles we could talk about. (laughs) So many hair murders. (laughs) Um, But yeah, as always, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our WF podcast, which you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, same handle, and rwfpodcast.gmail.com. I also want to know, like, if you guys... I want to know if you guys like this kind of thing, because obviously we love talking about film and TV, and we've done it a few times before with Stranger Things and things like that. Um, And I know it's not... It's not the normal spooky episode, but if you like this kind of thing or if there are specific series or films that you would love to hear us talk about, please let us know because I think that would be really exciting and fun for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have something else to add, I, sweetie? I, my brain is literally Do you have any buzzing. Do to add? Or? No, I think I'm burped out. Luckily for you, audience members, I've edited out all of the times Grant has burped during this episode as we're um, both drinking sparkling wine. And you've had, you've had a couple. Okay. One or two. I've had like 18 and you've had like <laughs> tw- tw- two. Um, anyway. So from our couch to yours. Oh, please drink along with us. Oh, yeah, please. Even if you're. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Bye, bitches. Bye.